Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. At SLRC, they understand your dream to move. Moving up, moving on, moving your body, moving mountains. SLRC can help you find the focus to define your finish line. As a top 10 run shop in America, they use their 25 years of experience to provide custom shoe fit analysis and offer a premium assortment of footwear and workout essentials. Locally owned, locally operated. SLRC is movement inspired. Visit saltlakerunning.com to schedule your shoe fitting today. Hosts of Eden. Written and performed by Jay McFarland. Episode 7, A Little Light. Last time on Hosts of Eden, Marion and the President discover a new clue to the mystery of how the imposter may have taken over the White House. They set out to question Andrew Scott, who they found on the internet talking about the strange symbols drawn by Shelby. Before they meet Mr. Scott, Marion was forced to play mom to Shelby on a playground. Marion and Johnny Mason have gotten out of their car. They enter the comic book store. They walk through aisles of old, dusty comic books. Doesn't really seem like anyone has been in this store for a long time. They see Mr. Scott behind the counter in the back of the store. He doesn't even acknowledge their presence. He's playing a video game. Um, Mr. Scott, Marion says, we saw your video online. Mr. Scott replies, either buy something or go away. Please, Marion says, you have to help us. We don't know where else to turn. Mr. Scott then says, I don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. It's not real, okay? I was wrong. Now leave me alone. Please, we have to know about this symbol, she says as she shows the all-seeing eye to Mr. Scott. Johnny Mason isn't having any of this. He grabs a controller from Mr. Scott, pulls it from his hands, and he says, Listen to me. You are going to tell us what you know about these symbols. Andrew Scott replies, I can't. Why do you want to know anyway? Well, at this point, Johnny Mason decides we don't really have much to lose, and he decides to tell Andrew the truth. He'll either believe that they are crazy, or he might call the police, or he could believe them. He says these drawings 
right here. These were made by a four-year-old who was trapped inside of me with two other people right here in this body. One of those people is the real president of the United States, which is why that imposter in the White House is acting so strangely. If we don't figure this out, it may mean World War III. Marion is shocked that Mason just spit everything out. Andrew also is shocked. He's very surprised. Without a word, he walks up to the front of the store. He looks out the front door, up and down the street. And then he closes the door behind him and locks it from the inside. He turns the open sign around to close. Then he turns off the front lights of the store and he comes back to the counter. Did anyone follow you, he says. Marion replies, I don't don't think so. Andrew again, much more forcefully, says, did anyone follow you? Johnny Mason says, no, no one followed us, okay? Now please, please tell us what you know. We don't have a lot of time. Andrew quietly says, follow me. They go through a door in the back of the store into a room that honestly is shocking to both Johnny Mason and Marion. It's messy. There's papers everywhere. It's cluttered. No sign of comic books. And there's pictures and newspaper clippings all over the walls. The symbol that Shelby drew can be seen everywhere. There's yarn and rubber bands connecting one location to the other. Johnny Mason can tell that this is an issue or subject that Andrew Scott is very interested in. He says to Andrew, please, Mr. Scott, again, we don't have a lot of time. What do these symbols mean? What do you know about what you said on the internet? Changing bodies or souls around. Andrew's demeanor changes. Now that he's not out in front of the store, he becomes more excited to share what he knows. He takes him over and he says, look over here. Look in this book. This is ancient text. It was found in Egypt. It has that very same symbol. The same thing that is on the dollar bill. Then Andrew runs to the other side of the room. He shuffles through a bunch of papers. Yes, yes, look here. These drawings found seem to show some type of device. Look at that. Look, it looks like they're putting one person inside of the other. Then he goes over to another part of the room. Where is that? He says he's shuffling around. He's moving things. Where is that? Yes, yes, here it is, he says. Look, look, look. This looks like something coming down, going into the device from the heavens. And then it goes out into other people. Andrew has a hard time staying on one topic. He continues to go around the room. And finally, Mason just grabs him by the arm and interrupts. Where is this device? He demands. How do we reverse what has been done? Andrew looks at him strangely. I have no idea, he says. I've looked and looked, but honestly, I have no idea. I was thinking that maybe it was the Ark of the Covenant or something like that. Mason starts to wonder if Andrew isn't just a little bit crazy. Johnny Mason says, So you can't help us, 
This is just some ancient symbols that may or may not have any connection whatsoever. You really don't know anything, do you? Andrew doesn't like the tone. He can tell that Johnny Mason thinks that he perhaps made everything up. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Andrew Scott says. I I found a building. It's in the middle of nowhere. It has this symbol, this triangle on the outside. There are no records of this building anywhere. But I've seen some black SUVs going in and out. It, It has to be something. I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. It's not far from here. I can take you. You'll see. Mason's just about had enough of Andrew Scott. He doesn't believe him, and he doesn't want to waste any more of their time. Marion consents his disbelief, and she says, Come on, Mason. A building with the same symbols that you have been seeing and that Shelby has been seeing? Mason responds, This is just another goose chase, Marion. We may be out of time already. This guy is, you know. Marion responds, well, if we may be out of time, we might as well check anyway. It seems to me that we have nothing to lose. Andrew puts his head right between them and says, right, right. There's nothing to lose, nothing to lose at all. Come on, I'll show you. You'll see. Mason looks at Andrew as if he wants to tell him to be quiet. Okay, okay, Johnny Mason says. Just one more question for Mr. Scott. Yes, Mr. Scott says. Where's the nearest playground? Johnny Shelby is screaming in pain. Marion's trying to calm her down. It's okay, sweetie. It's all right. You're okay. Shelby is on the playground sidewalk holding her elbow. It seems that she's fallen down and skinned it somehow. Marion's trying to comfort her. And several other people, as you can imagine, are watching the spectacle. A random passerby asks, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, Marion says. She's fine. I mean, he's fine. Just a little scrape. That's all. After a few minutes, Shelby calms down. Marion is relieved as she looks at her watch. Then Shelby says, I have to go potty. Marion can't believe it. Oh, for the love, she says. A few hours later, Johnny Mason and Marion are in the old Ford Bronco following Andrew's vehicle. Andrew is on the phone with somebody in the vehicle, but they're not sure who. Marion asks a question of Mason. Hey, I was wondering, where's Johnny? He hasn't come out for a while. Remember, Johnny is the real person who is supposed to be in that body. Marion's patient, who had been in the mental facility for multiple personality disorder. Johnny Mason responds, I honestly, I, I don't really know. He doesn't try to get out anymore. It's like he's given up. I hardly sense his presence anymore. Can't sense his presence, Marion says. But he's the only one who actually belongs in that body. 
Tell me about it, Johnny Mason says. I just don't think he can process all of this, so he's just kind of shut down. I wish I could just shut down, Marion says. Then Mason changes the subject. So, Marion, did you did you leave anyone behind? Family, husband, boyfriend? Marion could tell that Johnny Mason is fishing for her relationship status. She responds, well, my parents died in a car accident when I was very young. And as far as boyfriends, I can't seem to get one to stick around either. I'm sorry about your parents, Johnny Mason says, but I can't believe you don't have men banging down your door. Oh, they're knocking on the door, all right. They just don't want to stick around till morning. So I've just thrown myself into my work, and look how far that's gotten me. Johnny Mason tries to comfort her. There's nothing you could have done to prevent this, Doctor. In fact, your persistence may be the only chance on Earth to stop it from happening. Mason continues to banter and subtly flirt with Marion as they drive. Marion finds herself strangely attracted to Johnny Mason. But every time that enters her mind, she chases those thoughts out of her head. He's my patient, she thinks to herself. That isn't even his body. Mason is actually going through a similar thought process as he sits there in the vehicle. How could he possibly show interest in her when it's not his body? But he can't deny that he feels an attraction for her. Just ahead, they can see Andrew's vehicle pulling onto a dirt road. They turn and follow. The road is not well manicured. It's dirt, dust flying everywhere, lots of overbrush and growth. They drive for quite some time. Mason asks out loud, how did he ever find this place? Marion responds, I have no idea. Johnny Mason expresses a concern. He says, something doesn't feel right, Marion. He pulls a pistol from inside his coat and verifies that it's loaded. And then he instructs Marion, we need to keep our eyes open. They pull up to a large chain-link gate that is locked with a chain and padlock. Andrew, Marion, and Mason get out of their cars and approach the gate. Beyond it is an old building that looks abandoned. It has brush and trees growing all around it. Johnny Mason inquires of Andrew, Mr. Scott, how in the world did you find this place? Andrew seems unsure. He says, um, well, it was anonymous tip online. Someone just emailed me the coordinates. I, I get a lot of tips like that all the time. This one was close, so I checked it out. Johnny Mason then asks, so where is this symbol that you say that you saw on the building? I don't see anything. Andrew excitedly pulls out his binoculars. Oh, yes, yes, here it is, he says. Look, look to the left of those bushes right over there. Mason grabs binoculars and zeroes in. He can see the faint outline of what looks like the symbol that Shelby had drawn. Mason takes out a knife and pries the lock open with ease. He takes off the chain and goes right to the symbol on the wall. He pulls away the vines and the plants growing in front of the symbol. 
and he does indeed see that it closely matches the symbol drawn by Shelby. See, I told you, Mr. Scott says. I told you, I told you. This has to mean something. The three of them begin to search around the building. It's very strange. There are no doors, no openings, no windows of any kind. What kind of building has no way to get in or out, Marion asks. Johnny Mason responds, oh, there's a way in. We just have to find it. Keep looking. It may be from another building nearby, a tunnel, something. They search the entire compound but find nothing. Not even a footprint or mark in the dirt. Mason doesn't give up. He says the entrance can be anywhere. It could take months to find it, though. Marion refuses to quit. She goes back to the symbol on the wall and just stares at it. There's still some vines and dirt covering parts of the symbol, so she tries to remove them to get a better look at the whole image. As she does, she uncovers a small triangular opening with a circle around it. Wait a minute, she says. What's this? Come look. Mason and Andrew inspect the opening. It's about an inch deep. Mason blows on it to get the dust out. He notices three small holes, each of a different size and shape. One is square, one is round, and the other is a triangle. It looks like some kind of special key, just like the one you'd see in a movie, Mason says. You see, you put it in there and you turn. Then who knows what will happen? Spirits melt our faces off or something like that. Andrew Scott says quietly, no. No, it can't be. It can't be. Marion says, what? What is it? Wait here, Andrew says. It can't be. It can't be. It just can't be. Andrew goes to his car and returns with a small box. I received this in the mail not just two days ago. He shows them a small box, opens it. Inside, miraculously... It has a small triangular object with three small pegs protruding from one side. I can't believe it, Marion says. Try it. It's a key. Hurry, let's try it. Mason can't believe it. He says, sure. Just insert the magic key and the secret passage will open up and everything will be revealed. He inserts the key, turns it to the right until it stops. For a moment, nothing happens. Then, the entire wall with the symbol starts to slowly lower into the ground. Mason pulls out his gun and takes a defensive posture. Andrew Scott says, this is so cool. I knew this was real. They all said I was crazy, but they were wrong. They were wrong. See, I told you I would show you. This is so cool. The wall lowers until the top is flush with the ground. All they can see is a large, dark room. Mason pulls out his flashlight. He shines it inside while still holding his weapon. The inside walls are all covered in strange symbols, including the eye symbol that brought them there. Off in the distance, they can see a faint glow that is pulsating from blue to red. That must be it, Andrew says. The device. This is really happening. That must be it. I told you I'd show you. They carefully walk a few steps into the building. Andrew hangs back a little as if he's scared. He's very excited, but also very nervous. Again, Johnny Mason says, something just doesn't feel right. 
all of a sudden they hear an unknown voice. You have good instincts, Sergeant Mason Johnson. Just at that moment, the lights turn on and standing in front of them is the President of the United States, the imposter. On each side of him stands what looks like a Secret Service agent with their guns drawn. The imposter president says, Dr. Marion Turner, don't you think it's time that we are formally introduced? Next time on Hosts of Eden, Dr. Marion and friends gain a new ally in their quest to stop the imposter president. But will it be too little, too late? Well, I'm going to the beach where I belong. It's Coca-Cola nights at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And Wednesday and Thursday nights after 5. Bring a Coca-Cola can and get... Unlimited rides for just $14.95. Well, the one, the twist, Wednesday and Thursday nights after 5. Unlimited rides for just $14.95. At the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. In the warm California sun. Boardwalk!